Amen. How many is thankful for what you feel here this morning? Amen. The presence of God, the Spirit of the Lord that is in this place. Amen. Otherwise, if without His presence, it would just be another ordinary service. It would just be a gathering of people. Just going through a formality, through a schedule. Amen. But I am glad for what I feel here this morning. And I don't believe that it, what we have experienced here this morning is just by happen chance or just uh, by mistake. But I believe what has happened here this morning is setting the stage to hear the word of the Lord today. Uh, I was, I, I kind of was in awe because the last time I came before you with the message, the worship team sang that song that they sang this morning. We need a move. And uh, again, it was a song that I felt like confirms what the Lord has brought me here with this morning. Because I do believe that we are in a, in a need of a deep move of God. But I also understand that it is inherent upon God's people to position themselves to have a deep move of God. You just don't ask for it and just, you're just going to just drop out of the sky. You've got to position yourself for it. You've got to put yourself in a position where God can move in your heart. You've got to put your mind, you've got to get your mind in this game. Amen. We sing that song, uh, 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 Show Me Your Glory. And it, that song, that uh, particular, those particular words have taken me back to the scripture where Moses, we find those words in regards to Moses, show me your glory. Moses positioned himself to see the glory of God. Amen. And church, we have got to position ourselves to see a deep move of God. Amen. Amen. If you have your Bibles, I am going back to the same text that I read to you the last time I stood before you, 2 Kings chapter 22. I'm going to read again, verse 8 through 11. Beginning with verse 8, it tells us, And Hilkiah the high priest said unto Shaphan, the scribe, I have found the book of the law in the house of the Lord. And Hilkiah gave the book to Shaphan, and he read it. And Shaphan the scribe came to the king and brought the king word again and said, Thy servants have gathered the money that was found in the house and have delivered it unto the hand of them that do the work that have the oversight of the house of the Lord. And Shaphan the scribe showed the king, saying, Hilkiah the priest hath delivered me a book. And Shaphan read it before the king. And it came to pass, when the king had heard the words of the book of the law, that he rent his clothes, or he had tore his clothes. So I have, uh, you're probably wondering, why in the world is he reading the same text that he read 
for his last message. Three weeks ago, after I finished that message, I set my sights on the service today. And I began to ask God, what is it, Lord, that I need to take to your people? And uh, for a week, every morning when I asked that question, he kept circling me back and said, I'm not finished. And as I prayed on that, what I felt in my spirit to minister on this morning, last message was the law the lost law of conviction. And what I feel for this morning is finding the lost law of conviction. It's one thing to know something. It's, no, it's one thing to realize that there's something you need to do. It's another thing to do it. Amen. And so I want to just minister to you on that thought this morning, finding the lost law of conviction. Amen. Would you just ask God to talk to your heart this morning? Lift your voices to him here this morning. Pray a prayer of sincerity. Do you want a touch from him? Do you want a deep move of God in your life? Because if you do... We've got to get sincere. We've got to humble ourselves before Him. Oh God, how we need a move. How we need a deep move of Your presence and Your Spirit, God, in our lives, God. Oh God, help us to position ourselves, God, that You can work in us, that You can work through us, oh God. That You can take us, God, where You want us to go, that we can be the people that You have called us to be, that we would be the church. God, that you have, Lord, that you died for, that you shed your blood for, Lord, the church, Lord, according to your pattern. I'm praying it here this morning. Speak to our hearts today in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in Jesus' name. You can be seated. I trust that you will not give your attention to distraction this morning. And uh, we've read the word now, so there's no need for the cell phone to be out. No need to be pounding out a text message unless you receive a text from God. You know, when I was growing up as a kid, preachers railed against the young people for passing notes in church. Yes, sir. I got a witness. Amen. Forget the passing notes today. It's the least of our worries. Put away the text. Amen. For those that were not here three weeks ago, just let me just, those of you who were here, please allow me to take a moment just to skim through the message in the backdrop of uh, the story that we have read about, you had three, three kings of Judah. There was Manasseh, then there was Ammon, his son, and then Josiah followed Ammon. 
And Josiah, being eight years old, only eight years old, and he uh, ascended to the throne because his father Ammon, who was a very, the scripture tells us, was a very wicked man, and he was assassinated, and so that is why that Josiah, at a very young age, ascended to the throne of Judah. Manasseh, who was before Ammon, the father of Ammon, uh, grand, grandfather of young Josiah, uh, was, he, he ruled prior to Ammon. And so there you have the three individuals that kind of sets the stage and, and a little history for this young king, Josiah, who ascended to the throne. He steps into the role that his grandfather and his father had filled, but he was very much different than those two men because there was something about young Josiah that he had a heart for the things of God. And when he ascended to the throne, he began to set some things in order. He began to do some things that were right. And the scripture tells us that he did right the things that were right in the sight of the Lord. And he followed the example of his ancestor David. And he begins to make repairs. He orders the workmen to begin repairs to the house of the Lord that had been allowed to slip into decay and into ruins. And so there was just something different about young Josiah. But then as we read in the scripture, there came the moment in the time when he sent Shaphan to the house of the Lord where the workmen were working to attend to some matters of financial business for the work that was taking place. And while Shaphan was there, the Hilkiah, the high priest, he comes and in their, in, in their interaction together, Hilkiah says and hands to Shaphan, I have found the, this book of the lost law. And so he hands it to him. And Shaphan, he takes it back to young king Josiah. And he says, uh, the high priest gave me this book. He found it. It was lost in the house of the Lord. And so Shaphan begins to read the words out of that book to Josiah. As Josiah heard what was being read to him, he rents the scripture we read. The scripture tells us that he tears his clothes because of what he had heard. Josiah orders a house cleaning. The things that are not of God, get them out. Destroy them. Tear them down. They have no place amongst us. And so that was how that we minister, how that uh, the word of the Lord ministered to us three weeks ago. And how that it was a book that had become lost right there in the house of the Lord. Many believe that that book is the book of Deuteronomy. And I use that context to parallel how that we, if we are not careful, see what it was, what we saw take place in young Josiah's heart was a conviction. See, he was doing things that were right before God up until the point of the time in which Shaphan came with the lost book. But something different happened. 
in the heart of Josiah when he heard the words of the Lord. And that was a conviction that moved in the heart of Josiah that moved him to even go further and to, to, to take some stronger actions to set some things right. There was a conviction that worked in the heart of Josiah. I, this week, as I was listening, I normally every day try to take time to listen to Brother Gurley's devotion that he does every morning online. And uh, it's, it was, there was one particular day this week that he and I were on the same wavelength, if I can say it that way. He made this statement. He said, the greatest preacher in the world is the human conscience, the inner voice that speaks within us. John Calvin, he spoke of the divine sense that God puts into every person. And part of that divine sense, he said, is the conscience. Martin Luther, in his refusal to recant his call for reform, said, My conscience is captive to the word of God. Spiritual conviction in the heart is what happens when our conscience judges us according to the word of God. You can be the most dirty, rotten, low-down scoundrel that there is in society. But you can also take that dirty, low-down scoundrel and put him in a service where the preaching of the word goes forth. And there is something that will move, something that will convict his conscience, something that will sound the alarm, that, that, that there is something for him in his life. And so, as I have thought about this message and when I begin to feel the need to circle back, one of the thoughts that I kept wrestling with is teaching the basics. Teaching the basics. After Joshua and the elders passed and they were gone, Scripture tells us that there was a generation that rose up that knew not God. Can I tell you this morning, there's some apostolic principles and basics that we cannot afford to allow them to slip away with our elders as time moves forward. We need to seek a restoration. Some of those principles, some of those basics that put a conviction down in the hearts and the souls of those elders that guided them that, that, that uh, made them the individual, the person, the woman, the man of God that they were. And it might seem elementary to you, but the principles and those basics, we've got to keep them active. We've got to keep them alive. We've got to allow them to lead us into the supernatural works of God. Conviction. What is conviction? Well, 
A sinner comes in to a church service and hears the preaching, the ministering of the word. And it begins to reveal, conviction reveals to them that they are guilty of sin. It also, conviction can move in the hearts of the believers. It can also reveal sin in the heart of a believer. It can also reveal to the believer that you made a mistake, you've done something, you said something you shouldn't have said, you, you acted in a certain way that you shouldn't act. Conviction in the heart of the believer can also be the voice of correction to a certain direction or to where you are headed and where, where you are going and you need to alter course and, and, and it can also be a calling. It can be the Spirit of the Lord talking to that believer's heart. This is what I'm calling you to do. This is, this is the work. This is the ministry. This is uh, uh, some form of outreach, something uh, maybe as a Sunday school teacher, a youth worker, whatever it might be. Conviction is what will call the believer to operate in that calling. Without conviction, we are like a ship without a rudder. You will be on a course to nowhere, and you will be set on a drift. Without conviction, we are at danger of falling in sin. Without conviction, we are in danger of sin getting into the church. Without a conviction, we are in danger of falling into complacency and apathy, just routine and rut. Without conviction. When the spirit of conviction has become diminished, brothers and sisters, let's just get real. And let's just be honest here this morning, transparent with ourselves. When the spirit of conviction becomes diminished in our lives, it's not the preacher's fault. It's not anybody else's fault here sitting on these pews. It's our fault. We need to take ownership of it. Amen. We need to take ownership of it. We need, to, we need to just take a time out and we just need to sometimes just examine ourselves before God. And look at ourselves in the mirror of His Word. Am I who I am supposed to be? Am I doing the things that I am called to do? Am I in alignment with His Word this morning? And every day that I get up, am I in alignment with the Word of God? And if you find yourself in want, and if you find yourself weighed in the balances and coming up short, you have nobody else to blame. You're not going to be able to stand on a day of judgment and point your finger at another person. It's your fault and you will only be to blame for your own actions and so we better make friends with conviction I've said it and I'm going to keep saying it and sometimes you know I remember in grade school the teacher said we're going to keep going over this until you get it how many times sister Stigman did you say that in your classroom Amen. And sometimes maybe this is just God's way of saying we're going to go over this until some people get it. 
Amen. But we need to make friends with conviction. You need to embrace conviction. You don't need to cast it off as judgmentalism. You better not listen to the ways of the world. You better not listen to modern religion and allow it to put that garbage in your mind that a preacher who preaches with a conviction and a passion out of the Word of God is somehow judging your soul. Hey, friends, when a man stands and preaches from the Word of God, it is the Word that judges your soul and you better receive it. You better embrace it with all of your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Amen. Nobody's fault but your own. The last time I stood before you and preached on this subject, I said, oh God, it needs to be our prayer. It needs to be my prayer. And I'm already praying. And I'm hoping last time after the last time I stood before you uh, and I issued the call that we need to pray. Uh, oh God, restore us uh, and to a sensitivity uh, that we would feel the convicting power of God when we do make mistakes, uh, when we do go in a wrong direction. Uh, if I do say something that is wrong, uh, if I do uh, act in a way uh, that is in a violation of your word, that the Spirit of God would instantly smote my soul and that the Word of God would begin to pierce into my spirit and allow me to see my actions how that my actions are wrong. We need to pray that prayer. Oh God, help me to be restored to sensitivity in the Holy Ghost. Amen. If we are going to be restored, then we have to have, we've got to position ourselves. I can't, I can't emphasize that phrase enough. Position. Position. Amen. There is so many things about God that is relevant to how we position ourselves in God. Amen. And if we're going to be restored, if we're going to identify the problem, if we're going to put our finger on the disconnect of why it is that you may not feel that convicting spirit like you have one time felt it in your walk with God, then you've got to, you've got to some way find a way to identify it and call it out. The story of Jacob, when he deceived his father for the birthright blessing, he, uh, it caused a rift in the family, obviously, with his brother Esau. And so it resulted in Jacob needing to Flee for his life. And so Jacob leaves home and he sets out to flee the wrath of his brother Esau. And as he is journeying and traveling, the night time begins, the sun begins to set. And so it's time for him to find a place to bed down for the night. So he finds him a place 
he uses a stone for a pillow. I'll never figure that one out. <laughs> he goes to sleep. And probably everybody here knows the story of how that as he went to sleep, he began to dream. And he seen the ladder from heaven and the angels ascending and descending. And when he woke up out of that dream, he was so impacted that he said, this is none other than the house of God. None other than the house of God. In other words, he was saying that this is none other than the gateway of heaven. I have been in the presence of the Lord. And it so impacted him that he gathered up stones and he set them for a monument. And after he set them for a monument, he poured oil over it and he marked that place. He anointed it because it was a place that forever impacted his life. So much to the point In Genesis 28 and verse 20, we find he says, And Jacob vowed a vow, saying, If God will be with me, and will keep me in this way that I go, and will give me bread to eat, and raiment to put on, if God will put food on my table, and if he'll put me in clothes, So that I may come to my father's house in peace. Then shall the Lord be my God. I don't think I'm looking around here and I don't see too many people that's missed a meal this week. And everybody, thank God, is dressed this morning. By Jacob's principle... Then shall the Lord be your God. And this stone, which I have set for a pillar, shall be God's house. And all that thou shalt give me, I will surely give the tenth unto thee. Can I turn your attention away from associating that with tithing? Just a tenth. Could you apply that to your life? Could you apply that to your walk with God? Could you just give a tenth? Oh, let me, maybe the question ought to be, are you giving a tenth or more? You've had your Bethel moment back when, when you received, when you came to an altar of repentance and you, re, you went to the water and you were baptized in Jesus' name for the remission of your sins and God filled you with His Spirit. You had your Bethel moment. You had an encounter with God that forever has marked that time in your past. But what about your commitment. So 25, 30 years passes for Jacob 
he now has a couple of wives, children. And God calls Jacob, I want you to go back to that place at Bethel. And Jacob said, okay. Called a family meeting and says, we're going back to a place in my past. We're going back to Bethel. And it just wasn't just go in and pack up your clothes and pack up a lunch and, 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 and just, just, just get you, get you a, a change of clothes and this and that or whatever you think that you might need for the journey. But he told them, you need a clean house. He said, you need to put away your strange gods. He said, you need to be clean. Told him, says, you need to change your clothes. Literally. We're going back to the house of God, the gateway of heaven. I told you that story this morning to say this we need to visit our spiritual Bethel. We need to go back to our landmarks. Back to that time when you had that experience that I just talked about. And you begin to walk with God and everything, just this, the, the newness of life that you were walking in because you were a new person. You were a new creature in Christ as the Apostle Paul preaches it. And There was nothing that could have kept you from the house of God. Every time there was a church service that was scheduled, you was there. You was, you was, you was in the pew. Amen. And you maybe, you, had, you, maybe you had a very regimented schedule of prayer and that you not only pray, came and prayed whenever there was a prayer meeting and when there was pre-service prayer prayer but you prayed in your home but over time life has worn against you and things of life has allowed begin to rob you of that particular experience that you had at Bethel and your focus is somehow drawn away and tore away from your experience at Bethel it's just a memory in the past Can I tell you, if that's where you're at, you need to go back to your spiritual Bethel. And you need to visit some of those old landmarks. How that you used to come to church on a regular basis without missing a church service. How that you used to be at every prayer meeting. How that you used to get into your prayer closet and you would not come out until you had touched the throne of heaven. Amen. Oh, come on. I'm talking to the church this morning. Amen. Oh, there's got to be something that stirs in our heart. There's got to be something that stirs in our spirit. we got to get that conviction down in our soul if we're going to be the church that God has called us to be. If we're going to operate in the supernatural and see the drug addict that walks through the door set free. Amen. We have got to be some people of conviction. There's got to be something that stirs in our heart there's got to be something that drives us to an altar that will not allow us to get up until we have 
prayed through. Oh God, help us somehow to feel that spirit of conviction. We've got to revive some convictions. We've got to restore some lines of separation that you used to live and you used to you, you used to have them very clearly marked in your life and in your living between you and the world. Hey, we've got we to go back. We've got to look at some of those landmarks. You need to go back to your Bethel church. Come on, you need to go back and look at some of those landmarks that set a line of separation between you and the ways of the world. You need to renew some disciplines that connected you with the mind of Christ. You, you, we're called to have the mind of Christ. But it ain't going to get there by practicing Zen. You've got to have some spiritual discipline in your walk and in your living. If you want to have the mind of Christ. I just, the other day, I, and I don't, I don't say this for any of my glory. My mother's sister, she has been slipping into Alzheimer's and uh, she got COVID. She was in a nursing home and she got COVID. And they had to take her to the hospital and from there she just, she just sleeping, just didn't, wouldn't even know that you, you were there. And they took her to hospice, and my mother has been uh, every day, all day long, just sitting by her hospital bed. And uh, Thursday morning, I was praying, and... Uh, as I always do, I just prayed, you know, Lord, just be with us today as a family. And all of a sudden, I was subdued in my spirit. And I felt in my spirit, you need to pray for peace. Because today is the day of passing. And at 6.30 in the evening, she passed. I said that to say this. You cannot have the mind of Christ just by wishful thinking. And just by a bedtime prayer. By a prayer over your food. It's a discipline. You've got to have that discipline in your life. And the more I have pondered this message for today. I have come to a belief that conviction for the individual is the very foundation of your salvation. Because without conviction, you would not feel the need to repent. We read on the day of Pentecost when the Holy Ghost was poured out and when Peter stood up before the people and he preached his first message. What was the result? 
They were pricked in their hearts. They were convicted. It took conviction to bring you to an altar of repentance. It took conviction to take you to the water and to be filled with His Spirit. And it's going to take conviction to stay full of the Holy Ghost. When you felt that moment of conviction in your life, if you are a believer here and if you are born of the water and of the Spirit, the moment that you felt that spirit of conviction, you had to make a decision. Am I going to listen to my flesh? Because there is a war when that convicting spirit comes to the heart of a sinner. There is a war that begins between the spirit and the flesh. Flesh will say, not now, maybe later. If you go to that altar and if you pray, you're going to have to line up. And you're going to have just every, everything that the adversary can throw their way to discourage, to talk him out of it. But if a sinner is going to repent and respond to the convicting spirit of God, they've got to make a decision to overcome this human nature. You had to respond. And if you shrug off that convicting spirit one too many times, there is a danger. With every shrug, there's a level, another layer of desensitizing that takes place in the heart. With the world's ideology ever-changing at a warp speed, if we're not careful as believers, we can allow ourselves to begin accepting some things that we at one time very vehemently stood against and had a conviction against. And the conscience will no longer wince at the things that at one time may be convicted your conscience. We read in the scripture when Noah, before the Lord told Noah to build that ark, we read where The Lord makes the statement, my spirit will not always strive with man. We read the words of the Apostle Paul. He talks about our minds and our conscience are subject to being defiled, morally contaminated. And even if we go so far as to being seared and severed. If you want to feel Holy Ghost conviction then you've got to embrace it. And you've got to respond to it. And you've got to rise above this human flesh who will try to talk, try its best to talk you out of stepping out and taking that first step towards what God is calling you to do. You've got to respond. Every time the preached word comes forth from this pulpit, 
I don't care if you've been in the church a hundred years. Every time the preached word comes across this pulpit, you have got to say, let me try it on. Does it fit me? Do I need to wear that? Has it ha does it have my name on it? Not every time will the preached word be ministering directly to you. And at that time and at that moment when you feel like you've been released from what is being preached, then you turn your attention to praying for the person that is in the congregation that the Holy Ghost is reaching for and ministering to. Can I tell you this morning it takes conviction to be a prayer warrior? Amen. It takes conviction to be an intercessor. It takes conviction to be somebody that can pray in travailing prayer. It takes conviction to walk in the Spirit, to stay separated from the world, to have the mind of Christ, and to operate in the supernatural. And if you cannot feel convicted, then I would say that you cannot operate in the Spirit. quiet, but I feel like that there has to be that connectivity in the spirit in order for you to be able to operate in the spirit, and there has to be that sensitivity in our soul and in our spirit that we are convicted by the very spirit of God for a given moment. Can I tell you, we need to restore a conviction that says that there is a heaven, but there is also a hell. A conviction that will cause us to have a what-if moment. What if the Lord was to come and my heart was not right? I can remember as a kid growing up in the church and various ones might say to me, what if the Lord was to come tonight? And it would strike fear in my heart because I knew I was not ready. So what if, what if, you, what if you was just to have a what if moment and just weigh yourself out before God, is my heart right? You say, well, you're not supposed to preach about hell in this modern age. Hell, hell. I had, I had somebody one time who was, I, I, I looked up to, and as far as them knowing the word of God, they were powerfully anointed when they would preach and when they would teach. Then they began to drift. And one day they asked me, I was totally shocked out of my shoes. They said, do you believe that when the Bible speaks about hell, do you believe it's speaking literally or metaphorically? And the first thing that ran through my mind is I cannot believe this person is asking me that question. Because if it was not real, 
Then can I ask you why did Jesus give us the story, not a parable, but why did he give us the story about the rich man and Lazarus? We need a conviction about the fear of God and reverence for him. A reverence for who he is. A reverence for this very house. You say, oh, Brother Ham, but this is just brick and mortar and drywall and a shingle roof. And this is, that's all it is. It's not really the church. I understand that. We're the church. But I also would submit to you that this place, I'm sure, was dedicated for the purpose of God. And for the purpose of propagating the gospel of Jesus Christ. And for the purpose for reaching the lost. Amen. Can I uh, uh, propose, or can I, can I submit to you today that this place, it was dedicated as a place for corporate worship to a God who robed himself in flesh and came and walked amongst humanity, who defeated death, hell, and the grave, yes, amen. who was victorious. God is coming for a church, for a people, for a bride who has adorned herself. And this is the very place that we assemble together to celebrate Jesus Christ. It's not just brick and mortar. It is a place that deserves your reverence. This is none other but the house of God. We need a conviction about the price that was paid at Calvary. And that surrender and submission is the price that you and I are called to pay. Jesus taught his disciples, he says, take, you need to take up your cross daily and follow me. And if you can't do that, he said, you're not worthy of me. And so I wonder how much cross-carrying are we doing? Amen. We worry about our culture. We worry about where our culture is going. That's not really our calling. We are not called to activism out there on the streets for some political group or some political movement. Jesus warned us. He told us. He said, these days are coming. The Apostle Paul said, perilous times are coming. So they're here. But it's going to take a church that will allow the convicting power of the Holy Ghost to guide our response to this shifting culture. Can I remind you, the world does not set judgment for the church. We set judgment for the world. Amen. As I'm closing, if music wants to come and play and prepare to sing. I, I, I am, can I just sound one more alarm? I am alarmed at what has happened 
in post-COVID's arrival. Unfortunately, many churches were forced to go online with their services, and it was a necessity. We had to do it. I understand that. But now that we are able to meet back here in person, uh, I'm I'm a little bit alarmed. I, I know of some individuals that are not in this church that uh, they utilize the online streaming for their church rather than be at church. And I can respect the person that is doing that in a very stringent, strict disciplined way you won't go to the shopping mall and find them at the shopping mall and you won't find them at many places out there amongst society they are truly quarantining I get that but what is alarming to me I know of somebody A couple who has been in the church for decades hasn't been to church since COVID hit maybe once or twice. I know somebody who was in the department store and they heard their name called. Turn around and look. And it's this couple. What am I getting at? I'm getting at There's something missing here. This is a more safe place, I feel like, than Walmart, than the shopping mall. If I get up and if I go to work, if I send my children off to school, If I go into the restaurant and I sit down and eat a meal with strangers and people that I don't even know. But yet I cannot take myself to the house of God. I'm telling you there's a conviction that's lost somewhere. Probably one time, Brother Arthur, somewhere before COVID, they would have said, not me, never. I'll never do that. I'll never let that happen. Jesus looked at Peter and he told Peter, he says, you're going to deny me three times. Before the cock crows, Before that rooster crows, he said, you're going to deny me three times. And when they have subdued Jesus and Peter is standing out and warming himself by the fire and he's kind of just standing around in the shadows. Three times. 
you're with Jesus. I know you. I have seen you. And on that third time, he vehemently curses. Not me. And no more than he gets it out of his mouth. He hears the crowing of the rooster. What happened? Conviction seized the heart of Peter. Because he remembered the very words that he said to Jesus. Not me. I'll never deny you. No, you got the wrong person. Peter, conviction seized his heart because he remembered his commitment. I will not deny thee, Jesus. Can I tell you, church, it's time to get back to your Bethel. The things that you used to do in your walk with God that had you much spiritually, much more spiritually attuned. You need to get back there. I need to get back there. I need to set some high priorities when it comes to serving God. It's time to go back. It's time to visit some old landmarks that has defined your walk with God in years past. If you're here this morning and if you do not have the Holy Ghost, but there is something that is, has you feeling uneasy and uncomfortable and you feel like you know that you need to do something and that war is going on between the Spirit and the flesh, I'm, I'm asking you when we, as we stand here this morning, I'm asking you to get up and take that first step and come down to this altar and find a place of repentance. Follow that conviction. Follow that conviction. It's going to take you somewhere in God. It'll take you somewhere, saint of God. It'll restore some things. If you'll follow that conviction in your heart, saint of God, it's going to restore some things in your walk with God. Amen. You need to follow that calling. As they sing, as our worship team sings, I'm opening up this altar for everybody. And if you are here and if you are feeling the call to pray, I'm asking you to step out. I'm asking you to respond. Amen. Respond to that conviction.